Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So, let me ask you a question. Who are they reading? You, me. Now, they're not coming to us normally because they could care less about us. But when something happens in their life and they know that you're different and you have hope when they have no hope, they come in and their little baby has cancer and they go, I know you, John. You've been through some difficult things. Susie, I've watched you. I don't care about that. But how do you do that? People are watching us. I don't want to be Mark. I don't want to be weird. But I want them to see Mark knows Jesus. Have you ever had someone ask you about your faith in Jesus? How did you respond? Were you satisfied with the answer you gave? Did you give them what you thought was a biblical answer or just some pseudo-Christian platitude? Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the importance of the followers of Christ to actually know what Jesus said. He'll be reminding you that you are Jesus' representative here on earth. To be an effective and accurate ambassador for Christ you need to be familiar with his teachings. The only way for that to happen is to read and absorb the Bible. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 as he continues his message, Walking Worthy of Our Calling. So this walking worthy is a lifelong spiritual journey of maturity and growth. As we're being taught the word of God, we learn to put it into action. Let me read you an interesting verse. Luke 6, 40. Students are not greater than their teacher. Who is your teacher? Is it this tall guy right here? No, I'm the mouth. Who's our teacher? The Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus said, I'm leaving, and well, well, who's going to teach us? Oh, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is teaching you today. By the way, in case you didn't know it, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. So that's that foundation. Our beliefs must match our behavior. Got it? Our beliefs must match our behavior. So students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. There we go. Now, let me show you how that works. Peter and John, after Pentecost, they were walking to the temple one day. You know the story well. And they saw a man that had never walked. And God used them to supernaturally heal that man. That caused a problem in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders were livid because the people were excited. Isn't that the guy that was crippled? And he's walking. How did that happen? And Peter said, no, no, not me. It was God. It was Jesus that healed this man. So as they begin to, you know, they got thrown in jail. They got beat. They got all kinds of stuff. But notice the conversation that goes on. Acts 4. When they, the Jewish leaders, 
Notice the word, saw. See, people are watching our lives. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. What does that mean? They weren't illiterates. Peter and John were basically fishermen. They never went to rabbinical school. There was no chance for them to do that. They were very wise. They weren't illiterate. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They, because of that, they were astonished, and they took note, say it with me now, here we go, that, come on, these men had been with who? So what happened? What did they see? They saw boldness. They actually were looking at Jesus. They'd been confronted, and they confronted Jesus all the time. Who are you to forgive sin? Remember? And so they're looking at these guys, and basically what John was and what Peter was, they were both. Remember, this is a passage where Peter says, there's no name under heaven where you can be saved than through the name of Jesus Christ. Well, did Jesus ever say that? Yes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So see, they, it was like he rubbed off on them, but not externally, inside. They saw Jesus. That is a key for you and for me. Now, remember, as you go through this, these were men that had walked with Jesus for three years. We walk with Jesus today through the person of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's our lifestyle. They spent that time with Jesus, and it left a mark on them. They were different people. Remember, Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came to change us to be like him so we can impact our world for Christ. They were very, it was not a shock to the Jewish people. They knew whose disciples they, these guys were, the disciples of Jesus. They had the character of the Jesus, the boldness of Jesus. They knew scripture just like Jesus, and they shared the truth of salvation just like Jesus. Now, why is it important that we represent Christ? Well, here's why. The majority of people in our world today, majority of people, sometimes even Christians, sorry to say, but mostly unbelievers, how many of you think unbelievers spend a lot of time in the Bible? Well, maybe if they get in trouble, they might look, try to find a verse or something, right? You think that this is their normal kind of reading, is it? No. So let me ask you a question. Who are they reading? You, me. Now, they're not coming to us normally because they could care less about us. But when something happens in their life and they know that you're different and you have hope when they have no hope, they come in and their little baby has cancer, and they go, I know you, John. You've been through some difficult things. Susie, I've watched you. I don't care about that, but how do you do that? People are watching us. I don't want to be Mark. I don't want to be weird, but I want them to see Mark knows Jesus. You got it? Because that's who they're reading. They're not going to read this. We are the only Bible they read. That's why I have to be like Jesus. Now, that's an amazing work in progress. Now, Paul's going to give us four character traits. Just as an example, what's it like to be like Jesus? These are going to be challenging to every single person I'm speaking to. Here we go. Look at verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, if you don't like that second word completely, just scratch it off in your Bible. (laughs) I would like to do that personally, but that's not the way it reads. Paul is writing to a group of believers, the body of Christ. Notice in that verse, one another. So he's not writing to unbelievers. Who is he writing to? The church. Believers. One another. That's us. Now, we have the privilege and the responsibility to show these traits in the church and outside of the church. Now, what are we doing together here? Well, we worship together. We're studying together. We serve one another. People have served you all over to get you uh, into the service on time and take care of you. People are serving you, taking care of the kids and all of those things. So here's the four. Write them down. Number one. This is where belief and behavior come together. Here we go. Humility, be completely humble. Humility is the opposite of pride. God hates pride. Pride simply is this. It's an attitude of dependence on me. I depend on me. But humility is a dependence on God. See, if I'm prideful, I don't need God. That's what an unbeliever says. If I need you, I'll call you. But you and I know, without him, we can do nothing. So I can't be prideful. I need to be humble. And realize another thing. Humility realizes that I'm no better than anybody else. We're all equal. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm no better than you. Come on. I'm no better than you. (laughs) Now, if somebody came in today and said, I'm actually better than you, tell them they need to come to the altar at the end of the service. (laughs) Now, would anybody usually say that to somebody, I'm better than you? I've heard it. You've heard it. It's horrible. Are you going to change them? No, you're not going to change because they're what? They're prideful. As you look around this campus, usually we have eight to 9,000 people every weekend at all of our campuses. Are we all equal? Exactly. We're all equal. We're all equal. We're family. We're together. We're working together. Now, notice, everything you have and everything you are comes from God. That's why we're equal, because we're not special people. Number two, gentle Some of your Bibles will say the word meekness, meekness. Now, gentle means power under control. That's who Jesus was. He had his power under control. It really means this, not being overly impressed by my self-importance. Gentle people do not attempt to grab for positions of importance, or assert their authority over other people. You've worked with people like that. They come in and they want to just tell you this is the way it works. No, that is not at all what gentle is. It's power under control. Gentle people are considerate of others. Number three. (laughs) Look at this word. Patience. Patience. That's about a month's worth of sermons right there. I don't have to say anything about it. It means to wait and defeat frustration and stress 
by trusting God's timing. I'm and a few of us have a situation and things that we're working on that could be amazingly impact our churches. But I'm patient. I'm waiting for God to just answer so that we know what to do. How many know that waiting on God is hard? Amen. You're one God, where are you in this? Anybody ever pray this prayer? Oh, Lord, give me patience right now. I prayed it. You prayed it. Did it change God? No. So I have to be patient. I have to wait. His ways, his timing are always perfect. Now, it's not that I just have to be patient with God. You have to be patient with others. If you're married, I'll just move right along. Number four, bearing with others, willing to endure, put up with others in a spirit of love. Anybody ever say to you, you're difficult to work with? Maybe they didn't say it, but they're believing it. All of us can be difficult, right? No, he's talking, remember, he's talking about people in the church. I have to put up with you. Lord, help me. 9,000 of you. But you have to put up with me. How in the world do I do that? In a spirit of love. In a spirit of love. Now, some of you are going to say, Pastor Mark, it says, always be humble and gentle, patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because you're... Pastor Mark, I don't think I can do that. Well, read this with me. Let's read it together. Look at this next verse. I have a little sign in my office. I don't do a lot of counseling anymore, but I used to. It says this, get over it when you walk right in the door. Because, you know, when you're counseling couples, here's the way it works. It's never about them. It's about the spouse. So I just say, get over it. Here, look at this verse. Let's read it together. I can do what? Everything to him who gives me strength. Any excuses this morning? No. I can do everything. I can be humble. I can be gentle. I can be, when I look at all these things, I can be patient. With a big P, I can bear up with others. Will any of us ever arrive where that's normal in every part of my life? No. Because we're still a work in progress. This year, I'll be a Christian 70 years. I'm still working on it as hard as can be. Just exactly, just exactly as the Apostle Paul. Remember when Paul got to the end of his life? What did he say? I haven't arrived yet. None of us will. But I have to keep working on it. My beliefs should balance with my behavior. Got it? Okay, now look at verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, remember, he's talking to a church to be unified. Now, notice something different. He doesn't say, try to get unity. When God builds his church, he puts unity in it. It's already there. What is my responsibility? To keep it going. So as I try to work at that unity, Paul knew that Jesus focused on unity. And he loved to teach about unity. And look at what Jesus wrote, John 17. As he was praying for his disciples, he said this, 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Notice the word on the bottom. One emphasizes unity. We're flowing together. Listen to Francis Schaeffer. We cannot expect the world to believe that the Father sent the Son, that Jesus' claims are true, and Christianity is true, unless the world sees some reality of oneness and unity from true Christians. You see, if we fuss and fight over all kinds of things, guess what? The world says, not interested. Any of you belong to a homeowner's association? Okay? Did you ever go to one of the meetings? It just flows in unity. Those of you that haven't had the privilege yet, just buy a condo by yourself somewhere. Forget it. Because it it drives you crazy, doesn't it? And what Paul is trying to say is something very important. The church has to be in unity. Because if the church is like the world, well, there's another relationship. Our Congress operates 100% in unity. No. So if the church is disunity... Why would an unbeliever want to be part of us? It's just like the world. Watch this statement. You know it well. God loves to unite, but Satan loves to divide. And so what Paul is saying is, the unity's there. You're one. Keep it. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. I want to say this from the pastors and the elders of our church. Thank you. You know, this is our 26th year. Oh, we have people come and go and move, and some people, you know, they want a taller pastor, so they leave, and (laughs) they do all kind of stuff. But you know what's happened in 26 years? We've had no splits, no major decisions because of God's grace. That's amazing. That's amazing. That doesn't mean we agree with everything. Nobody will ever. I mean, I've been married all those years, and I still don't agree with my wife on some things. That's why I'm always patient and gentle. (laughs) My wife isn't here. Don't you dare tell her that I said that. (laughs) Do you know how infrequent a church that goes this long without major division? All glory be to God. Not us. Not even you, not me, but thank you. Thank you for not fussing and just operating together. Now, Paul goes on, and now he gives us seven foundational truths of one, of unity. Seven. Seven is the number of completion. So watch what happens here. Here we go. Verse 4. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called... To one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. (laughs) Now, watch this who is over all and through all and in all. He's got it completed, doesn't he? Now, here I can have unity 
because we share these seven foundational truths together as a Christian. It doesn't matter what church, doesn't matter any of that. We can share this together. So let me give you the first one. You see it right there in verse 4. There is one body. And that's talking about the church. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up, tell me, one whole body. Look at the last line. So it is with the body of Christ. There's one church. Now, we're not talking about denominations here. Lots of denominations. We're not talking about people that are cults and all kind of weird doctrines. All kind of stuff like that. We're not talking about. We're talking about people that are in Christ. You got me? That are believers. Born again believers. We have a personal relationship with God. No matter what church they go to, as long as it isn't called, if they're teaching the fundamentals that can't be changed, if they're teaching that, they're in one body. In that body, name is Jesus Christ. It's the church. It's the church that God established through Jesus. Think about this. It's made up of people that are very different. Nationalities, color of skin, men, women, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, live in languages. They have languages from all over the world, hundreds, thousands of languages. But none of these things separate them. All people who are born again share one life, the life of Christ. Write this down this morning. All Christ followers belong to one spiritual body. That's amazing. I've had the privilege of teaching all over the world in all kinds of situations, all kinds of denominations, non-denominational churches, often through an interpreter, and because we spoke different languages. But I remembered as I was studying this passage this week, it goes back more than 25 years ago. Uh, by the way, I just had one of those experiences two weeks ago in Bahamas. I had all these different denominations come in, and I was preaching three times to them, and we were worshiping together, and there's all kind of denominations, never saw the people before, but it was wonderful. Because we're all part of one body. Now, when I was with Linda and we were celebrating our 25th, that was a long time ago, we were in Japan. And then we went to Singapore and then we went to Thailand. We did all that stuff on our own. We just had a ball. And as I was there, the friends that we had in Japan said, well, there's this little Baptist church that would like you to speak. And I said, okay, that's fine. So we went over to the little Baptist church. And when I walked in the door, they said, good morning. And then they said, please take your shoes off. Okay. That's the first time I ever taught with my shoes off. And I just taught the Word of God. So I taught, had an interpreter. It was just, it was amazing. At the end of the service, I said, well, should we go now? Oh, no, 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 you don't go. We're family here. Uh, Just sit on the ground. So we all sat on the ground inside the little building, and they served us lunch. When we got done, I got my shoes on. I was full. We loved on them, shook hands, and left. And when Linda and I left, Here's what we said. This is one of the first times we ever experienced it. We will never see them again. We didn't know any of them. But you know what? We were with family. Today, Pastor Mark talked about the idea of walking, living a lifestyle like Jesus lived his life. Using Bible references, he taught about the character qualities that are expected to be displayed in the life of the Christ follower. In addition, you learned about the concept of all believers being part of one organism, one entity that the scriptures call the body of Christ. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude his teaching, Walking Worthy of Our Calling. He will transition from talking primarily about the Christ follower's walk to the Christian's identity as a member of the body of Christ. You'll learn what that means as an overarching concept, what being a member of that body means for you in a practical manner as well as an individual. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Blessed. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.